0: covering all aspects of milwaukee brewers baseball it's time for brewers extra innings the podcast here is your host matt Pauley.
1: it is time for another edition of brewers extra innings the podcast powered by wtmj bubble my name is matt Pauley. Hello, if you are a Brewers fan and you're listening to this podcast anywhere near the vicinity of Sunday evening, you're probably in a pretty good mood after uh, the way things went down on Sunday for the Brewers, really the way things went down on Saturday and Sunday for the Brewers between Adrian Hauser's pitching performance on Saturday and the Daniel Vogelback pinch hit walk-off Grand Slam on Sunday just a remarkable couple days of baseball for a team that has done remarkable things all season long as they continue to be en route to a national league central division title our normal housekeeping items here at the top if you want to get in contact with me do so on twitter at matt Pawley on air m-a-t-t-p-a-u-l-e-y on air if you listen to the podcast on Apple Podcast and can uh, subscribe, that's awesome. If you want to leave a ranking and review, that is awesome as well. As we try to get as many folks listening to uh, the podcast as possible, I mean, <laughs> what do what do you say about this Brewers team at this point? The fact that they just keep finding ways to win games, no matter what is thrown their way. You know, people were complaining on Sunday about Christian Yelich not being in the lineup as he was given a day off. So he had a lineup that had no Christian Yelich, no Avisael Garcia, no Colton Wong, uh, other guys who are on the injured list, including Willie Adamas, who went on the injured list prior to the game. And yet there they are, and they, they find a way to win. They didn't play great through the first eight and a half innings of that game. They left a lot of runners on base. They, they had situations where they just had opportunities and didn't do much with them, but then they find a way to win. And I, I don't, I don't know if Sunday is a microcosm of the season because it's such a big moment. And it's so, you know, when you say microcosm, you, you, you infer that it's representative of an entire season. and, it was the first ever in the history of the Milwaukee Brewers organization. It was the first ever pinch hit walk off grand slam. There's been eight walk off grand slams. It was the first pinch hit walk off grand slam. This is something that does not happen. Hasn't happened that many times in Major League Baseball overall. This is a you talk about notable achievements. This is a notable achievement for for Daniel Vogelback. And then you go to Saturday. And you see Adrian Hauser go out and, and throw a complete game shutout. First time that had happened in a while. First time they'd gotten a uh, complete game at all, not just a complete game shutout, but first time they'd just gotten it simply a complete game since Jimmy Nelson did it. And then you got to go back to Kyle Loesch to get the complete game shutout. This team just keeps doing things that they've really they've that the, it's been a really long time since they've done or they've never done before, and. If they continue to play on the pace that they're at right now, they'll set a franchise record for most wins in a season. I don't know if they're going to play at that pace. At some point in time, and it probably comes after they have officially clinched the division, you can really try to set things up for the postseason and who you want pitching and things like that. You look at that final three games of the season against the Dodgers, and you would expect by that point, I mean, those games are going to mean absolutely nothing, and your top three, maybe your top four starting pitchers are not going to be anywhere near that series. You're going to set things up beforehand. Uh, So do they set a franchise record for most wins in a season? Maybe, maybe not. Do they get to 100 wins? Maybe, maybe not. That's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that they do find a way to uh, really propel themselves into the postseason with some momentum. And look, the, the thing that if you're going to be worried about something, and I'm not trying to be negative at all here, but if you are going to be worried about something, it's the injuries. They continue to pop up. Now, this is not anything that is um, unique to the Brewers. There's a there's a lot of teams with injured with injuries. I was looking at the overall number of players who are on the injured list. I, I don't. I, I looked it up during my Brewers warm up show on Sunday prior to uh, Sunday's game, and I don't have the number in front of me right now. But it came out to about nine players per team. Um, that includes. 60-day injured list guys, that includes COVID injured list guys. I mean, that's that's the whole gambit. But there's a, there's a lot of players in Major League Baseball on the injured list, and that's, that's a normal thing in most years. It is even more pronounced in a year like this one where you're coming from the 60 games to the 162 games. And even with the injuries that the Brewers have dealt with, I still think they deserve credit for being as healthy as they've been in some key spots, specifically starting pitching. Uh, Freddie Peralta going on the injured list with the shoulder issue. That was really, other than Corbin Burns' trip due to uh, the, the COVID issues earlier this year, that was really the first time we'd seen one of the top three starters. And I do think you need to be concerned, not you specifically, but I, I, think, I think it's worth I – mean, concern's too strong of a word. I think it's worth keeping an eye on Peralta here over his next couple starts. There's... There is a good chance that coming off the injured list and in that two inning start that he had last time, it was just there was some rust there. You know they weren't going to send him on a rehab assignment. They were going to have it with where the Brewers are at. Makes the most sense for him to pitch in big league games for them to have full control, to have their eyes on him, everything like that. I, there, I had some, I had a person text me after uh, after that game uh, on Brewers extra innings, thinking that the Brewers should have sent him on a rehab assignment. and I, I disagree because they don't, they didn't have to win that game. It didn't. Matter matter really if they win or lose that game. What matters is just Peralta getting off the list and, and pitching and now I'll be most interested in his next start to see if he does take that step forward and, and starts to look more like the Peralta that we saw throughout the year and the reason I'm kind of more sensitive to what's going on with him is simply because he's at an innings load that he's never been at before for a season. And you don't always know how your body's going to respond to that. So the Brewers have done it right. They, you know, they took the foot off the pedal right around the all-star break. They put him on the injured list and kind of, it felt like they probably left him on there a little bit longer than you normally would. They are doing everything in their power to preserve his arm so that he is in good shape for the postseason, And we'll see how that plays out. Uh, But obviously, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns are continuing to pitch well. And then Adrian Hauser, Uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into this a lot more in the coming weeks. And we're already, you know, talking about it a little bit because I think you can talk about the postseason. It's fun, right? Like this is they are going to be a postseason club. So let's look ahead to the postseason. There's nothing wrong with doing that. What does pitching look like for the Brewers in the postseason? How many guys do they use? How much rest are they going to give them? Things like that. I think it's a really uh, interesting thing to uh, talk about, and those those conversations will certainly continue to ramp up as we do get closer and closer. I'm um, I just I the, the game on. So I, I feel like I'm my my job is to have words right and. This is. I'm recording this right now, late on Sunday night. It's been a. It's been a good amount of time since. Uh, since that game came to an end, and I'll tell you, I've spent much of the evening re-watching and re relistening the different uh, play-by-play calls of Vogelbach's home run, Jeff Levering on the TV, Yuke obviously on radio doing what he did, uh, the Spanish TV call with Kevin Holden. They were all fantastic. Even. Not to be mean about it, but the the TV call of the the Cardinals uh, with with Dan McLaughlin, who I think I think Dan McLaughlin, the um, the Cardinals play by play guy for television, is a really really good broadcaster. A lot of people have kind of made a big deal of his calls recently on some of these games like this for the Cardinals. They had uh, a walk off home run against the Pirates, and now they have a walk off home run against the Brewers, and it he sounds. It, Just sounds so dejected. You can find the call out there if you want to, but it's just been—it's been watching that call and over listening to that call and watching the video of the Vogelback home run. It was just—it was so much fun to see that all play out, and I loved doing the uh, the Brewers' extra innings post game show. And it's on this—you can go back and listen. It's on this podcast feed, so uh, you can go listen to Sunday's show. Uh, Literally, we had people calling in just saying where they were sitting in the ballpark and what it was like when, when Vogelback hit the home run, that's, that's how big of a moment it is that you've got, you've got people just kind of wanting to share how they experienced the moment. And and I love things like that. I, I love the immediate reaction and just the kind of that visceral reaction to, uh, to really cool moments. So it's, what do we say about this team? They just keep finding ways to win. Again, the injuries are something you don't like to see. Uh, Willie Adamas, you hope that uh, this is going to be... Yeah, you can, you can... What you need to do is make sure that He is fully 100% healthy during this shutdown period while he's on the injured list, but you're also hopeful, I would think, that you would get him in some games over the last week, two weeks of the season, just to make sure that he's got a little bit of momentum on his side going into uh, the postseason. And We're at a point now, with the postseason right around the corner, that you know, guys go on the injured list all of a sudden it starts to become a little bit of a question of are they going to be good to go once the uh once the postseason gets underway we're not quite to that point but we are we are certainly coming up on it All right, our featured guest this week, it is uh, Kyle Loebner. Always love uh, having a conversation with Kyle. Uh, Timber Rattler's uh, content, he does stuff for the uh, Shepherd Express. He's all over the place. Uh, Let's go ahead and get to this week's conversation.
0: After every Brewer's game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take now we bring them all together it's the social media roundtable and it starts now
1: brewers extra News. the podcast is powered by wtmj mobile we are very happy to welcome back on the program a guy who covers uh the brewers for a number of different uh, outlets including uh the shepherd express you can read his uh weekly piece there he's part of the uh great content team uh, with the Timber Rattlers as well. Always enjoy having Kyle Loebner on the program. You can follow him on Twitter at By Kyle Loebner. That's B-Y-K-Y-L-E-L-O-B-N-E-R. Hey, Kyle, thanks for taking a little bit of time. How are you? I'm all right,
0: although I, I'm exhausted after a, a fun week at Timber Rattlers and Brewers baseball. I bet you might be too.
1: Yeah, you know what? So I'll, I'll let people know we're recording this on Sunday evening. It's 7:41 right now on Sunday evening. I took my post-game show till seven o'clock, and I, it takes me you know 10 minutes or so to walk out of the ballpark. 25 minutes or so to uh, to drive home. So I was walking in, and when we got right to this. Kyle, I'm still kind of jacked up right now after that finish uh, for the Brewers. Uh, a walk-off Grand Slam for, uh, for Daniel Vogelback. And I know you've been very much in Timber Rattlers mode, but that doesn't take anything away from... Uh, the That was the first ever, ever in the history of the Brewers organization, it's the first ever pinch-hit walk-off Grand Slam. There's been walk-off Grand Slams, but never pinch it walk-off Grand Slams. So uh, not that this is a, uh, a post-game sort of deal, but since it's so fresh as I'm talking to you, what's kind of your initial reaction to that moment in the Brewers finding a way to win on Sunday?
0: Yeah, you know, it's, it's really incredible. Um, and as somebody who maintains a calendar labeled today in Brewer history, where I write down, you know, kind of unusual occurrences and things I may come back to write about later, um, I knew immediately that this would be an entry on that calendar. Um, and, you know, so was last night when Adrian Hauser pitched the first complete game shutout in over a thousand games. You know, I, I make entries on that calendar about once or twice a week because that's one of the fun things about covering baseball is that just about everyday features either something unusual or something you've never seen before. Um, but it took me a minute to realize that what we were seeing, you know, as you mentioned, was uh, a really unique moment in the history of this franchise and very nearly a unique moment in baseball history. Uh, this is only, you know, in addition to what you said about it being the only pinch hit grand slam in Brewer franchise history, this is only one of 28 uh, walk-off grand slams that came where a team was down three runs um, and needed all four runs to win. And so, you know, what we're talking about here isn't just a, a cool win over the Cardinals, to clinch a series victory. What we're talking about here is a... A unique moment in franchise history, and a moment whose highlight, I think, is going to live on for a very long time. I mean, it's the Brewers' first walk-off Grand Slam since Ryan Bronze in 2008. Yeah. How many times do you think you've seen that one since then?
1: <laughs> just a few. Just a few. Uh, and, and it happened on a Braun bobblehead day, too, so that just adds to it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's cool how stuff like that works out sometimes. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I think you know, in front of a big Sunday crowd at American Family Field, this is a, a moment we're going to remember for a long time.
1: Look, I, I was talking about this on my post game show, and I'm not one to run away from expectations. Uh, this is a Brewers team that is a legitimate World Series contender. And there's nothing wrong with saying that. And I, I keep saying that over and over. That doesn't mean that if they don't win the World Series this year, that it was a, a disappointing season or that they didn't accomplish things. They can they can still have a good accomplishing season without winning the World Series, but they are a legitimate World Series contender and that is something that they are playing for. But when you when you kind of go into it a little bit more so they're, right now they're on pace for the best season in franchise history in terms of regular season record and wins and everything. You mentioned the Adrian Hauser game. That's something that uh, a complete game shutout, you got to go way back to, to Kyle Loesch to find that. You've got to go back to Jimmy Nelson uh, to, to even get a complete game. The fact that Vogelback hits the first ever pinch hit uh, walk-off Grand Slam in team history, this team is doing things that either they've never done before or or that it's been a really long time since they've been done, and that just kind of for me it kind of adds to how special everything feels right now. Do you agree?
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I think the last time I felt this way about a, a Brewers team was 2018, um, when that team went on, you know, kind of a, a similarly um, unprecedented magical run. Um, because that team had had to dig out of kind of a late hole and had that tremendous finish to the season, um, and Christian Yelich really emerged. Um, down that stretch and won an MVP award. But I think that the moments that we're talking about this weekend and some of the moments that we've seen recently um, really hold up in comparison to some of the moments that team had. Um, And and when you look back from 2018, you know, you say, oh, first time since 2018, that's not that long ago. Um, But when you look back in franchise history from 2018, there's only a handful of moments before that that belong in that conversation. You know, a couple in 2011, a couple in 2008, and then you're back to 1982. Um, and so, you know, I think when we look back at this broader era in Brewers franchise history, we're going to recognize um, how unprecedented this was, that we're talking about a team that kind of year over year has the opportunity to put together moments like this. Um, and I hope people aren't taking the yeah. Uh because across 50 years of Brewers franchise history, uh, folks have waited a long time for days like this.
1: Yeah, I'm. I am a uh, enjoy the ride kind of person. I think you can. I think you can enjoy it. I always get frustrated when people kind of dismiss the enjoy the ride because it's like you're saying um, that that's more important than possibly winning a championship. And that's not what I'm saying. But in a 162-game season where you have moments like you had on, on Sunday and Saturday this weekend, I just I, it feels like to me, if you're a Packers fan, maybe enjoy the ride. It's a little bit tougher on that because it's only 16 games. Aaron Rodgers has only won one Super Bowl. The, the window is probably closing. Okay, I get that. But when you're talking about a 162-game season – Honestly, Kyle, and I'm not trying to be dismissive of people, but I kind of feel sorry for people who can't enjoy the 162-game season and the ups and downs that go along with it.
0: Yeah, I I think that's absolutely true. And if you hadn't said something like that, I probably would have said something similar uh, to start my response because, um, you know, this is... This is a sport where 29 teams go home unhappy at the end of the season. And so if you are only going to find joy in a season, if it exceeds your expectations, uh, I I feel bad uh, for the the people who find themselves disappointed that often. (laughs) Uh, This is a a game that's exceptionally fun uh, when teams are playing well, or even when, you know, on occasion a team that's not that good does something that completely surprises you. Um, And so... You know, I I feel bad for the people, yeah, like you said, who can only find joy in a championship. This is a team with a lot of great individual stories, um, a ton of moments that I think we're going to remember fondly for a long time, and hopefully the end result of that is the cherry on top of a World Series championship. Uh, but I, I hope that um, if this team comes up a little short in October, and I don't mean to be fatalistic about it, but I hope that if this team comes up a little short, people don't diminish. Um, the the moments that we've had along
1: the way. I'm really not trying to do a Sunday post game show here. I've already done that today. But there's so many storylines that come out of Sunday that I that I want to hit on. And it, this has a this there is a bigger. Uh, you, you can take a step back on this and, and sort of look at it from a bigger picture perspective. But Craig Council talked about this in his post game on Sunday. How Daniel Vogelback was basically the starting first baseman for the Brewers. He get hurt. He he gets hurt. He, uh, They bring in somebody. It felt like at the time they brought in somebody who was going to be a stopgap measure. We talked a lot about Rowdy Telez still has options. Uh, Telez plays really well and Telez kind of takes that job and then they make the acquisition of Eduardo Escobar and talk about him playing first base so all of a sudden Vogelback comes back not only having lost his job to Rowdy Telez, but he essentially comes back as the third string first baseman who can't play anywhere else on the field he has a very different role yet there he is Coming up with that big hit. And Council talked a lot about him embracing his role as a bat off the bench and not being, you know, pouty about kind of his his standing on the team changing allows him to be in the right frame of mind to come up with that big hit. And I think that's something that's worth talking about.
0: And I think, you know, when you look back at the, the recent successes in Brewers franchise history, they have been built on situations like this. Um, and the front office and the organization deserve a lot of credit for turning first base, which was a real weakness um, not that long ago, into such a position of strength that there are now multiple players who can't get on the field every day at that position. Um, and, you know, when you look back at 2018, they, they did kind of the same thing. They acquired a lot of talents um, to the point where it was difficult to get them all on the field every day. Um, but they built a a climate and a culture around that team that made it possible for those guys to be patient and and to wait their turn. And when the time came, they got some big contributions from guys who weren't necessarily everyday players and who probably had every right to expect to be everyday players in the big leagues, but accepted a role on a really good team and ended up having, you know, kind of these moments that go down in Brewer franchise history. And so, You know, it's it's amazing that a team that not that long ago um, was struggling with their depth now has this kind of depth, but that is one of the the narratives that follows this Brewers team, you know, kind of all the way through the Stearns era. And it's one of the reasons that they've been, I think, often more successful than people expected them to be
1: your most recent piece uh, that you wrote at the uh, Shepherd Express talked about the Brewers managing players health and I believe you wrote that even before the Willie Adamas most recent injury where he ended up on the injured list uh, prior to Sunday's game and uh, it was the second time that he had dealt with this quad and you're just hopeful that he's going to be all right and, and good for the postseason but it does feel like you know right now they've every bit of adversity that they that's been thrown their way during the year they've been able to plow through but at the same time if you get Get into the postseason, and if you've got to put a lineup out there that uh, doesn't have a Visal Garcia, doesn't have Will uh, Willie Adamas, you don't have Tyrone Taylor available. Uh, you know, not that Colton Wong's injured, but he's not available because of the paternity list. If these guys are not available, it's going to be very different than you know fighting through that during the regular season. And then you have healthy players, and specifically when it comes to pitching, that you're trying to kind of massage through to make sure that they are good to go at the end of the season. And again, I'm not trying to be, as you said earlier, a fatalist. I'm not a fatalist. I'm not an alarmist. Uh, but if there is an area to be concerned, and we can say this about every single team in baseball, every single postseason team, it is the injuries. And we are seeing uh, the Brewers continue to deal with injuries as they have uh, all season long.
0: Yeah, w- with the caveat that this is the best possible problem to have. Um, the, the Brewers kind of find themselves in a position here, and especially now after taking two or three from the Cardinals, um, where their playoff fate is pretty close to being sealed. Um, you know, they they could they could make a run at having the best record in the National League, and they could make a run at some you know notable marks in franchise history. Um, but they know they're going to be in the postseason. They know about what their standing is going to be, and they now need to find the balance between um, you know kind of racing to the finish line um, and using their young pitchers all the time. Um, the way they had well the way they could or uh, resting those guys and getting them a break and limiting their innings count um, but running the risk that they're not sharp in the, the division series or, or whenever the playoffs whatever they're needed in the playoffs it's not an easy question to solve, mm-hmm. um, especially in light of the fact that none of these guys logged very many innings last year uh, in the abbreviated season. Um, none of And when you're talking about Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, and Freddie Peralta, none of them have ever pitched 200 innings before. Uh, and so as the Brewers try to figure out how much they should pitch these guys, they've got a situation that really could be difficult in two directions because, you know, if they... If they use these guys too much and one of them burns out, uh, the legacy of this season for a long time uh, might be tarnished a little bit by the, the fact that they hurt themselves in future years. Uh, but by the same token, if they shut these guys down and they come back and they're ineffective in October, that's what people will remember as well. And so I, I don't envy them, uh, the, the challenge of having to try to figure out how to use these guys down the stretch. And I know Ken Rosenthal wrote for The Athletic in his Sunday Notes today Uh, that the Brewers have used starters on five or more days' rest um, more often than all but two teams in the majors this Mm -hmm. season. You know They've been aware of this problem all year, and they've been working to make sure they're getting guys extra rest when they can. But that doesn't change the fact that this season is going to be a pretty significant grind for some young guys with a, a long future in this organization. And so it's tough to try to figure out exactly how much you want to use them or how much you want to sit them down. Um, in the final few weeks, as the team doesn't have a lot to play for.
1: Yeah, I think there's questions right now about Freddie Peralta because uh, he was he was rusty his last time out when he did not look great, and I'm not going to put I'm not going to say it was anything more than rust. But at the same time, of those top three, he's the one who's going to be going to new territories in terms of innings pitched, even more so than anybody else. And that creates a question mark because with Peralta, we don't know if there's any fatigue in there. Like, we just don't know how his arm is going to react to what he's being asked to do, even with, you know, they they took the foot off the pedal right around the All-Star break. Then recently they put him on the injured list, so he got some time. They're they're doing everything they can to limit innings. But when you're in a situation like him where he has already eclipsed anything he's ever done before, you just don't totally know how that sustained year-long impact on that arm if it is fully going to be where you want it to be for the postseason.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly it. And I mean, it's going to be the, the brewers, the, the fortunate thing that the brewers and all MLB teams have right now is that they have better technology than they've ever had before um, in an effort to quickly identify um, when somebody might be experiencing a problem and respond to it. Um, and so I'm sure they're very closely monitoring, you know, Freddie Peralta's velocity and his spin rate and some of the, the signs of fatigue that might be in there um, and using that to help determine a plan for him going forward. Uh, but they're treading a very fine line uh, with a, a guy who has an opportunity to be a big part of this organization's success for a very long time um, if they keep him healthy and a, a guy who is kind of a key to their season. Um, and so, you know, I'm sure that they are you know, doing everything they can to monitor this. Uh, But the ability to keep Freddy Peralta healthy is an important thing for a lot of people. Um, And I think his long-term health has to be a a major factor um, as you look into determining what his role is going to be for these last few weeks and how long his outings are going to be. Uh,
1: This is going to be a long question, and long questions are bad, but I'm going to do it anyways. Uh, And it's something that I'm talking about that I don't think anybody else is really talking about. I haven't heard, and I'm really intrigued by it, and I wonder if you're intrigued by it as well. If you run a five-day rotation where guys get four days rest and you go into the postseason and you want to continue to give your starting pitchers four days rest, with the off days, you can pretty much use three guys in the divisional series. And then the championship and world series, you use four guys generally where three guys are accounting for all but one start. So you would use a fourth starter once, once in the championship series, once in the world series. That's, that's based upon, again, giving four days rest and not, you know, not pushing anybody on three days rest. The Brewers, as you just alluded to, and you the, the Rosenthal piece in the athletic on Sunday, I would encourage people to read it. It was interesting. Um, if, if the Brewers want to do that, then maybe they need to ramp guys up a little bit at the end of the season to give them get them used to being on four days rest uh, because they want to go with kind of the conventional playoff rotation. But if they say they've given guys five days rest all year long and it's been successful and they want to stick with that, then all of a sudden you're in a spot where you're using four four starters and you might even need a fifth starter at some point in the postseason but then there's no need to ramp up and you just talked about you know it's going to be a really sort of tricky thing right at the end of the season do you really want to be ramping up pitchers in that final week especially when you're playing the Dodgers in the final weekend I'm I am incredibly intrigued on how all of that's going to play out and maybe it's a nothing burger and I'm making something out of something that really shouldn't be even talked about but I just I find that to be interesting how about you no, I, I think that's a fair
0: point, uh, because the, the Brewers, you know, no matter what the Brewers do, if, if, unless they win a World Series, in which case, you know, the, all the, the questions of whether they handle things correctly go out the window, because the flag flies forever. Uh, but if they don't, and they end up in a situation where they end, have a, a critical game uh, you know, in one of the early playoff rounds, and their top three starters are unavailable, it's going to be a question for a long time. Um, it's still a question that follows the 2011 scheme um, for a, you know, a decade after that. And so, yeah, they, you know, there, there's another element to the challenge we just talked about, where the, the Brewers have to figure out how they're going to use their best pitchers with the understanding that just about any decision they make has a possibility to go wrong in some way. Yep. Um, and if it does go wrong, that's going to be one of the big things that people remember. Um, now, the, the advantage that they have um, is that, you know, you talked about the, the series and how often you need pitchers if those series go the full length. Right. Um, those series often do not go the full length. And so if you win a series in three or four games, especially in the DS the round, um, you get an opportunity to reset your rotation. It's a big advantage for future rounds. Um, but yeah, if if they're unable to do that and they need to find a way to get by without overextending their young pitchers, it's going to mean they need to go deeper into their bullpen and deeper into their rotation than a playoff team typically would.
1: Yeah, it's going to be uh, going to be and. It's gonna be fun to watch how the uh, how everything's built because if they say they're only gonna use three starters say in the divisional series and Adrian Hauser isn't one of those guys, well do you put him in the bullpen because you know that he's got one of the best pitches in all of baseball with that sinker and he can go get a ground ball pretty much uh, if you really really need it. I mean we haven't even talked about uh, except without just kind of mentioning the the complete game he threw and a hundred pitches on the complete game too. I mean that is, a I find it I I, I love the fact just when you look at the things that are fun about this team, I love the fact that you've got these top three pitchers who have been in the Cy Young conversation throughout much of the year, but then two of the most dominating starts this year have come from your fourth starter, Hauser with that complete game shutout, and he had that game where he took the no-hitter into the seventh inning. He's your fourth starter, and those are two of his games this year. It's, it's remarkable.
0: No, I, I think Adrian Hauser is a has turned into a fascinating story to watch for these last three or four weeks because, you know, piggybacking on the conversation that we just had, if Adrian Hauser has a tremendously hot month of September, um, it just goes out and mows people down, it changes that entire conversation about how the Brewers need to use their top three pitchers in the the playoffs. And it maybe even opens the door to do something like manage Freddie Peralta's innings by making him into kind of an extended reliever. Um, You know, a guy who you bring in for two or three innings on a day when your starter goes short, um, if they have that, it would be a tremendous luxury to have for October. Um, And so, you know, I think Hauser for a long time has existed kind of outside this conversation about the Brewers' top starters. But as you mentioned, he has had some of the best performances by a Brewers starter all season. And so, you know, maybe he more than anybody else has something to prove in the next few weeks because his role in the playoffs... Um, may very well change depending on his performance in the weeks ahead.
1: Before we get you out of here, I always like to mention uh, the Timber Rattlers. and it, the, it Different this year with the season going a, a little bit longer and different this year And the fact that the team is a high-A club, not a low-A club, obviously different this year because everything in the world is uh, is different this year, and we're trying right. to uh, continue to kind of fight our way out of that. But just uh, how nice has it been? How much fun has it been? I mean, the Timber Rattlers as always doing the uh, – uh, the wonderful promotions that they uh, that they always do, but the on field product and being a high A club and just everything that goes along with it. Um, t- talk me through the Timber Rattlers a little bit, and obviously everything you do with uh, with Chris in terms of post being co- podcast and you know so on and so forth.
0: Yeah, it's been a, a great year um, at the ballpark. I, I didn't, I think a lot of folks didn't realize how much they missed it until we went the whole year without it. Um, but being back at the ballpark this year has been outstanding, and I, I think. Um, uh, everyone top to bottom, you know, players, the the front office staff uh, really appreciate a little more how much we have now that we missed it for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but this season has been just a a tremendous ride of individual performances, um you know, from some of the names that I'm sure all Brewer fans know. You know, we started the season with Garrett Mitchell in Appleton. Uh, We're finishing the season now with Sal Freilich, the the number one pick this year in Appleton. Uh, But guys like Corey Howell, guys like Joe Grade Jr., guys like David Hamilton have had just tremendous runs in Appleton. Um, And as they've moved on, uh, one of the things that's really impressed me this year in, in our first year of the high A affiliate is when guys come up from Carolina... Um, and they've joined the Rattlers. You know, in the past when we've had new guys join the team, they've come from rookie ball affiliates, they've come from extended spring, and it's kind of taken them a while to acclimate themselves. Um, We have seen guy after guy come from Carolina to Wisconsin and just immediately perform. Um, And and the last few weeks, um, Joey Weimer, who is a fourth-round pick in last year's draft, has become just kind of a, a... Paul Bunyan-style legend in Appleton. Um, He hits mammoth home runs. He's crashing into fences. He dented the outfield wall a couple weeks ago. um, And today he hit a three-run walk-off home run um, on a day when he had really struggled at the plate and had left 12 guys on base. Um, He came up in the ninth and hit a three-run homer to win it. And so it's been so much fun uh, these last few months, but especially these last few weeks, watching the Timber Rattlers and I hope folks will take an opportunity to come and do it. The Timber Rattlers return home on Tuesday, um, and they are home through Sunday, their final homestand of the season. And if you can't get to Appleton, you can follow them on TimberRattlers.com, where I produce the T-Rat Talk feature. Uh, this week will be about Matt Erickson as he wraps up his 10th year with the Timber Rattlers. Um, and you can also on TimberRattlers.com, find links to our post-game podcast. Um, we haven't recorded quite as many this year as we have in the past, we've taken a few days off here and there. Um, but just about every night, we're finding fun stuff to talk about from that day's game. We're interviewing players and coaches, and it's been really great to get to work with Chris every day.
1: All right, now let me uh, just have a little bit of fun here for a second. The, there recently was a frozen pizza competition, right? There sure was. Okay, so what what was the results of that? Do you do you have that off the top of your head?
0: Uh, the I believe the fans' vote winner, or it may have been the judges' vote winner, uh, was Jolly Bob's out of New London. Okay. Which um, I have not actually had an opportunity to try yet. I'm I
1: have not forward. either. Yeah.
0: Um, so, so yeah, at some point I will have to get an opportunity, and I'm blanking off the top of my head on the other one that won. Okay. Um, I know there were two. There was a fan's choice and a judge's choice. Um, I was out of town for the event, but I heard really great things about it. I hope the Timber Rattlers do it again. I'd love to go participate in something. I'm, I'm a big pizza fan myself.
1: I am a. I am. I love pizza. I, I love pizza a lot so yeah that that's one if uh, if I did not cover the Brewers on an everyday basis that's one where I would have found myself uh, in Appleton to uh, to take that in if I possibly uh, could have okay one last plug for you before you get out of here uh, the the weekly uh, the weekly piece at the uh, Shepherd Express again we mentioned your most recent piece was uh, talking about uh, the Brewers and managing health yeah uh, you, you recently uh, did a, a kind of a feature and talked about the what Omar Narvaez has been able to do and how impressive that is but uh, where can can uh, right. folks find really all your content that you put together on an every week basis?
0: Well, you can find me on Twitter at by Kyle Loebner, uh where I link to all that stuff. And yeah, you can follow me at the Shepherd Express, uh, the On Deck Circle page there as well. It comes up every Monday morning, including tomorrow. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about uh, a couple of things we talked about today. Adrian Hauser's complete game and Daniel Vogelbach's Grand Slam. Um, and, and just how rare those events are in Brewer's franchise history and some of the previous times when they happened.
1: Awesome. Kyle, thanks so much for your time, have a, uh, especially on a holiday weekend, no less. Uh, have a wonderful rest of your weekend, and I uh, look forward to talking to you again real soon.
0: All right, sounds good. Thank you very much, Matt.
1: Kyle Loebner joining us here on Brewers X-Turnings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. That is just about going to do it for uh, the program. If you are listening to this, um, say, later on Monday after Labor Day, maybe your uh, normal routine is to listen to it on the first work day of the week and you had Monday off. Uh, Again, we recorded this on Sunday night as normal. I know generally uh, you don't have a day game on Monday that kind of uh, outdate some of the content as quickly as it uh, as it does, but nonetheless yeah we uh, the, the schedule for the week for the brewers they 've got a three game series against philadelphia they 'll play a one ten game on Monday afternoon and then they 'll play uh, evening games coming up on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. should be noted that the Brewers are back to their uh, schedule of Monday through Thursday night games starting at six forty They do that at the beginning of the season and at the end of the season during the middle portion of the season. It's 710 uh, starts, but once the uh, kids are back in school, push those back up to uh, 640. So just uh, keep that in mind that the uh, first pitches are going to be at 640. Of course, uh, we will have our post-game show Brewers Extra Innings. And as a reminder for you, as uh, the Packers season is getting underway this weekend, if you're ever looking for Brewers games and you hear the Packers, you can always uh, listen on uh, Sister Station 94.5 ESPN. And that includes the Brewers Extra Innings post-game show if you're looking to stream uh, the Brewers Extra Innings post-game show as well uh, on the days that the uh, games are on 945 ESPN the uh, the best way to do that is go to wisconsinondemand.com uh once you're there you can go to listen and scroll down to WKTI and uh, that brings up um, the uh, the feed of or the live stream of uh, 945 ESPN so that's how you get the uh, the stream of the uh, post-game show when the Brewers are on 94.5 ESPN if you're in that uh, in that situation where you want to listen. All right, uh, appreciate uh, Kyle Loebner for uh, joining us. Thanks to you for being tuned in uh, after what's been uh, a really fun couple days of uh, Brewers baseball, and uh, we're expecting a whole lot more fun moving forward. We'll talk to you, we'll talk to you next week for another edition of Brewers x Dreams, the podcast powered by WTMJ Molden.
0: Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to the home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.